Hood. This is episode 29. We're back again with part two of our words with Elliot Duke. If you missed part one, feel free to go back and listen. Uh, Elliot Duke is a fantastic man, a beautiful human being, of which I have known since the days of high school. Now he lives in Berlin, and he is known to mix a little bit of music, as well as, you know, get down with the boogie down, you know what I'm saying? But this time, part two, we talk a little bit more about his music mixing, uh, as well as having, you know, soft eyes when uh, approaching certain things in life, you know? Talk a little bit about spirituality, the new Matrix movie. Elliot works his way through uh, the Sight and Sound uh, magazine's top 100 list. You know, he tells us a little bit about the movie Baltazar. About a goat. It's pretty awesome. Yep. We also learn about the benefits of, you know, having infinite universes. You know, might be beneficial. The evolution of the story form and more stuff. Make sure you stay tuned until the end. We have another song that Elliot did the mixing and mastering for. The song is by the artist Gozi. It's G-O-Z-I. The song is called I Was Okay Till I Met You. You can go to Instagram.com and search Gozi Forever. That is G-O-Z-I Forever. And you can find Gozi there. Check out their music. You can find Elliot at www.elliotduke.com You can also find him on Instagram at Elliot Duke Music That is Elliot with two L's one T Duke like the university and music Find him on Instagram also elliotduke.com So I want to thank y'all for tuning in when I'm going to ask you to rate, subscribe, review, do all of the things that, you know, will help us build. I'm just about at the end of my, you know, college term and ready for summer vacation. And I'm really feeling that beat right now. You know what I mean? Get excited. Going to have a little more content coming your way. You know, I'm going to pick things back up. Things are going to get hot and heavy, right? So, uh, yeah. It's going to be real good. But for now, make sure that you stay tuned until the end. For I Was Okay Till I Met You by Gozi. It's kind of a banger. Let's get to it. saying absolute power corrupts absolutely right Mm -hmm. um i think that it would be really fascinating and i would love to have this to be able to see this happen i don't think it would ever be able to happen but it would be really interesting to watch like from a like an fmri like brain mapping level right oh yeah yeah from like the wiring and like what is happening in the brain when a mm-hmm. person goes from you know a person <laughs> as a part of society mm-hmm. and is elevated to this point where they have power and then these delusions start setting in and like mm-hmm. i don't know it's like i want to know what fame does to the brain right mm-hmm. and like you could think about it in the sense of like it doesn't have to be a delusional sense you know like the delusional side would be like a person 
it's like a dictator or something like that. Like that would be very interesting too. But even just like be interesting to see like an yeah EKG of like the brain of someone that goes and like gets famous very quickly. You know what I mean? And like what it actually does to them. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of someone. It's like here, wear wear this uh, wear this brain scanner thing. Wear this brain <laughs> scanner permanently. I mean, <laughs> pretty soon we'll just have or a take point a scan where every day. Or, yeah, I'll have chips or something. Like yeah, well, yeah. People will be like, oh, you know, your Fitbit, your new Fitbit, only works if you have this chip implanted, and then the chip <laughs> relays all of your information, all like your genetic information, to Google, and then Google sells it to whoever they want, and then based on your genetic information, we send advertisement to you, and just like. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, pretty soon Amazon starts, uh, or Facebook starts advertising like uh, pitchforks and guillotines to you. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait, I don't want to, do I? Do I want to do this? Oh man, don't get me started about Amazon. Um, Amazon is like all about uh, predatory um, sales at this point where they're just like, it doesn't like, they are allowing price gouging and like in, in, in a bunch of shit. So like the other day I clicked the fucking thing that I wanted to buy and it was like $6.55. And I was like, add to cart, right? And I go to cart. $20.95. From what? Shipping or no? No. No, there's no shipping cost. There's nothing. It's an Amazon Prime thing. I get free shipping. And it's just like, wait, where does this? <laughs> it's just like, no, the price of the item went up $14. I'm just like, how does oh, that God. work? <laughs> but yeah, it's just like everything's third party there. You, like you mm. look up something and it's like you can't even find like I want to buy a vacuum cleaner from from Auric. Just look up the mm-hmm. vacuum cleaner and it's just like 10 third party salespeople before the actual vacuum cleaners like page. You know what I mean? And it's just like, I hate this. <laughs> uh, just makes yeah. me not want to use Amazon, which is a good thing, right? Yeah. Um, convenience, God damn it. Yeah. It's just so convenient. I recently read uh, Infinite Jest, a sort of famous novel from the 90s by David Foster Wallace. And he, uh, rest in peace, he uh, like super accurately predicts a lot of uh, modern, modern life um, and like technology in like 96 or 94, I think 96 the the book came out, but yeah, it's like uh, he predicted um, Netflix and like social media, not like to the like exact detail. Yeah. Yeah, in the book he talks about how people like buy like shop for groceries online and then like uh underpaid workers and like college kids have jobs to like go buy the uh groceries and deliver them, which is like a super big thing here now. I'm I'm assuming it's probably also in, in the States, but um, Yeah, I mean, anytime you go to the grocery store you'll see the Instacart shoppers yeah. or uh you know I mean some of the places like Safeway they have employees that, that are just shopping for people now. And a lot of the times it's just, you know, dropping stuff off at the curb and Oh, in in the in the book like with Netflix, like he he in in the novel he has uh the streaming services where people like instead of like actual instead of regular TV now everyone can kind of like choose what they want to stream. Hmm. It's like damn, no one he just saw it coming like from 20 years before that type of thing like where it's like oh this dude predicted it it almost makes me think like did some one of like the people that was in the tech world like let's say bill gates steve jobs steve Ballmer, whatever right some one of these like these dudes from the the early stages i want it like makes me think like one of them read that and was like hmm 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, oh, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's, that's, that's possible. That's totally possible. Because some people have like, I don't know, really systematic mm -hmm. brains where they can think like in equations, like really far ahead. And mm -hmm. like, it's crazy to me. Like I can think about stuff that hasn't happened yet and sometimes predict it decently but i i haven't tapped into why or or what it is that is telling me that type of thing mm -hmm. periodically but like periodically i will you know I, I sports is a good way for me right where it's just like oh the, like this pitch right here you know curveball inside hit for home run and then that happens you know like type of thing mm -hmm. uh yeah it's super or, or just like predict a segment of of plays or like a momentum swing like it's like I could feel a momentum swing sometimes in sports where I'm just like, mm, this is about to change. Like everything's about to switch yeah. and then it does. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. just like, it's pretty cool to see, but I don't, it's like, it's an intuition. And, but some people yeah, have yeah. that in like really fucking tapped in. A lot of people have that in, uh, in science, like, uh, exactly, who yeah. make scientific breakthroughs. It's like, they know something is, uh, is like wrong with the current understanding. And they just sort of, it's like, even though they are, very learned and like very you know they learn everything on this subject that they're specializing in uh -huh. but in the end um making these sort of breakthroughs or paradigm shifts uh it comes from that sort of intuition level where they it's just like a level in our brain operating kind of like in the background yeah and if i'm sure if we could tap into that then we'd be infinitely smarter you know, probably as, as just a rule across the board. Yeah. That's uh, one of the things with, uh, Buddhism. It's like, you're supposed to rely on, on that more and more and sort of think less and less. You're just supposed to like be in the moment. Yeah. It really is meditative. Like it takes like really, I don't know, like, um, going back to baseball it's like when i'm pitching or i mean i'm sorry when i'm hitting right mm -hmm. you can't go up there to you can't step up to the plate expecting a fastball because if that dude drops a curveball you're just you're going to be swinging fucking way ahead of it right but the point like soft eyes is something that is super important to have so if you're mm -hmm. watching sports you know you're about to hit you're driving like on a motorcycle yeah you have to have soft eyes you have to be like you have to just relax up. a bit yeah you have to like yeah it's exactly it's like I, I call it soft eyes because it's like you're taking your, you're not looking at anything. Yeah. But you're looking at everything. Yeah. And so if you can do that, like I remember there's a couple of years ago where the, the Warriors, and we were like at a basketball game, Warriors, Blazers, the Blazers were up by 25 against the Warriors. Mm -hmm. I turned to her and I was like, Blazers are going to lose this game. Well, like you in don't the, need intuition in for quarter. that. <laughs> well, it was in the fourth quarter, right? Yeah, it was like, it didn't, okay, it, yeah, it yeah, should yeah. not have been. She's like, what? What are I you like talking I about? I that game. <laughs> well, well, they did that all the time, but Steph Curry yeah. ended up scoring more points in an overtime period than anyone ever had before. And yeah. we were at that game, right? So he, just like, all of a sudden, I just turned to her. I was like, they're about to lose. And then the Warriors just went, <laughs> and they just like, absolutely, it just didn't make any sense. And I just like felt it right before it was going to happen. Blazers were all, like Warriors were really good at doing that to other teams. Blazers were really good at letting any other team do that to them. So it just it was a perfect symbiosis. <laughs> uh, horrible. I don't know. Uh, that yeah, stuff uh, goes on with with politics too. Like yeah, um, 
in term or or warfare you know like uh in war and peace uh he talks about this as well like the course of a battle like it's not always like logical or it's like oh you know like or the blazers are up this many points with this amount of time left it's like oh of course they're gonna win but then sometimes these currents can just change um the chi shifts seriously though dude yeah and like with uh with the collapse of the Soviet uh, Soviet bloc uh, and like the fall of the Berlin Wall, like there was, you know, dictatorship and then this protest kind of start to bubble up and there's like one here and one here and like kind of a big one. And then there was big protests in, not in Berlin actually, um, in some other city, maybe, uh, I can't remember, I don't want to missay it, but uh, in another German city and the East German like army is there and you know somehow like that was just the moment where like they had basically an order to shoot to like break up the protest and then somehow like people they were just like uh no like we can't like this protest is huge you know and they just decided like to like stand down and like they're not gonna massacre like some people but it's like up to that point you know there it looking uh, like a, a year earlier or even a few weeks earlier it's like oh this soviet dictatorship is like indestructible you know it's like rock solid mm-hmm. um and and it looks like that from the outside but it's like you know maybe if if you had the or if you're able to kind of feel it out with that intuition you like might have been able to sort of feel like actually underneath this armor and this like met iron you know and all this structure it's like actually like cracking, you know, mm-hmm. and then so it can fall apart. It can change like so quickly. Same with like the a flow of like a battle and like military campaigns. Yeah. Militaristness. <laughs> yeah. It's getting dark there. You're in a, you're in a dark room. All <laughs> yeah, of a sudden. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, wait, let me, uh, let me switch on my light real quick. Yeah. Be a little better. <laughs> That's like <laughs> the illumination. Yeah. A little bit better just backlit now have you been watching any uh any media of late i have not really had time the last couple weeks but i went and saw dr strange the other day i heard that was good it was uh strikingly violent no shit which i was okay with um yeah i heard the new batman was good i might see that i heard it was horrible oh really (laughs) Mm -hmm. okay I i heard it was really bad one friend of mine yeah, just told me that it was like good. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I heard it was really boring. Hmm. So, I mean, that's one thing I've talked about on the pod a couple times is like, I don't understand the hype with Zack Snyder. I don't know if Zack Snyder did the new one, but um, like Zack Snyder and J.J. Abrams, there's a lot of new directors that are like, oh, he's so good. He's so good. <laughs> and then I go watch their shit and I'm like, it's not good. You want to know why they're they're good? They're, they're good. It's the same reason that Peter Jackson is good, right? If you take a bunch of projects that are going to sell, big money mm-hmm. projects, mm-hmm. right? J.J. Abrams, <laughs> it's like, cool, you've done a bunch of Star Trek movies. You've done a bunch of Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Take a risk, <laughs> yeah, you know? Go true. take a fucking risk. You know what I mean? Like, And, then to, like, and first off, those Star Trek movies might have been good. They were, they were not bad, okay? The Star Wars movies... They're entertaining. Yeah, they're entertaining. Okay, are they good? Uh, I don't know. Did he okay. do the one that was like this? The first 
He did the first and the third of the newer trilogy. New ones where it was like, there was the first uh, like new one, uh, which was, was that like 2017 or something uh, where it was like just a complete reboot of, <laughs> of like a new hope or whatever episode the, or like there was a lot of they were like trying to pay homage and like go back but like kind of not really doing it the best dude way. did you see I, I i watched the fucking uh new matrix a while back oh no did you watch that no dude okay don't tell me about it so it was oh God. my uh, before <laughs> before you tell me my my this is my opinion of the matrix first matrix is amazing right yeah but i don't, I don't know if there's any other trilogy series or anything else that started out as strong. No, there right? is. <laughs> and then by the third Matrix, you were like, what the fuck am I watching? You know what I yeah. mean? Like, it is bad. <laughs> so when they were like, yeah, we're redoing the Matrix and it's going to be all meta and stuff. And I was just like, oh no. <laughs> like, you, your instincts could not have been more right. It was, uh, I mean, I, it, it's been so long since I watched the third of the trilogy. You don't need to go back and watch that. I'm not going to, no. You just need to go not. watch like a synopsis. You know how like YouTube has like, you can go back and watch Star Wars episode one without Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> I didn't, like, I didn't they know They just that. edited him out. Yeah, yeah, you can go back and watch. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, correction. I think it's not even just that. Someone went back and edited episode one, two, and three to where all the bullshit is gone and it's just everything <laughs> you need to know. Wow. And it's just like, That's this is a awesome. lot better. You know what I mean? It's still so not good, me. but it's a lot better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I was going to say, like, I think it's worse than than the new Matrix, like, than the, the final installment of the trilogy. Um, I like Keanu, or, but... I, yeah, I, me I, too. Or maybe it's not worse, because the, the final installment of the trilogy was, like, pretty fucking bad, but it it's... Yeah, it's it's such it's such a weird weird film too. In the sense of they tried to essentially it it seems like okay, like they have, you know, the first Matrix movie essentially. Yeah. As like a great great achievement basically. And then sort of the series or at least like the world, you know, world building overall of like the universe. And it's like okay, people give people unlimited time and unlimited money to try to like in the most corporate way possible and most like fail safe and least and most risk averse way possible trying to recreate everything that was good about the first movie <laughs> it's like they're like okay we have like five years and I, I don't know if this is the case but this it just felt like so perfectly done Mm-hmm. In the sense of like, okay, we have like five years or like 10 years and like a huge staff and unlimited budget and we can hire any writers we want and hire anyone we want. And we're just going to sit here and brainstorm every last detail to recreate the magic and like genius of the first movie to down to the last detail. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, like that's that's not how it works. <laughs> that's not how you're supposed to do it. <laughs> and it was so bad. Like the Wachowskis are super funny. I've never seen their first movie, Bound, but so they had a movie called Bound in '96 mm. that they wrote and directed. It was a neo noir crime thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, Violet, who longs to escape her relationship with her mafioso boyfriend Caesar enters into a clandestine affair with a luring ex-con, Corky. It's a two-women lesbian crime mm, nice. 
Yes. Uh, 96. But uh, point is, right, so the other movies that they wrote and directed, right, are The Matrix 1, 2, and 3, and Speed Racer, which came out in 2008, Cloud Atlas, the one with uh, 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 Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah, I remember. I didn't see it. And Jupiter Ascending. And point is, I don't know if Bound is good, but it's like the movies are, all of the movies that they've done are really, really, really bad. Except for the first Matrix. I mean, except for the first Matrix. I mean, like... It's like strange, right? Yeah, they were writers on V for Vendetta and Ah, producers on it. That's right. But they did not direct it. And I really liked that movie, but that's also based off of a comic. Yeah, it's based off a comic book. But Speed Racer, man, like 2008. Let's see what the Rotten Tomatoes on Speed Racer is. because I vaguely remember like seeing the trailer. Um, those ones that just like comes and goes with making like the least impact possible yeah i mean so there's there's a time period where things were pretty blurry for me and 2008 (laughs) is right in the middle of that and oh yeah i think you understand why oh yeah so speed racer technically (laughs) is 41 percent on the tomato meter and 60 percent on the audience score so people like it some people like it i I, with those things you can I think it makes sense for some things like that, why the audience score is higher, just because it's like yeah, people attach their pre-existing emotion to like the franchise, you know, in mm-hmm. some cases. So like this person, while I couldn't go as far as to say Speed Racer was a masterpiece, it was a supremely <laughs> good time. Yeah. I mean, also, you, like, this is the thing about reviews is like what are you reviewing it for i think there should be a disclaimer Mm -hmm. at the beginning of everything every review it's like what is your intent what did you go in there expecting Mm -hmm. are you what are you a fan of you know what i mean because like yeah if a person is going in and they enjoy you know ice cubes uh are we there yet and (laughs) dr doolittle three and son of mask right and like if they enjoy these movies and then they're going in to <laughs> review Speed Racer and they're like, oh, it was a great, I had a fantastic time. It's like, okay, well, I know that this person's opinion is not for me. I'm not saying yeah. that their opinion is invalid. I'm yeah. just saying that their opinion is not for me. Yeah. And also they are probably operating on a different rating scale People, yeah. than everyone else is. And so, you know, to to put it on the same rating, it's like, what is <laughs> I've been working my way through the Sight and Sound magazine list of the greatest films of all time. Okay. It's like a film magazine uh, based from the UK, I believe. I only, I've never like read the magazine, but I just like found the list on Wikipedia. What are the, the notables, like your favorites that you've seen so far? What comes immediately to mind is uh, Metropolis, this old uh, silent um, German film. So yeah, it's like a lot of, um, it's a lot of old yeah. movies, some very old, like silent film era, and then some, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, etc. Yeah. I mean, filmmaking, it was a different art then, so. Yeah. Ahead, this was uh this was from like 2028 1928 or something like this um by uh it's a german german film actually made in berlin um yeah berlin has such an interesting history like uh would have been like if, if one one of definitely one of my like time machine destinations would be like 
you know, pre, pre-Nazi Berlin because it was mm. sort of, uh, it was kind of like a peak of the, of the city's like artistic life and stuff. But um, uh, it's by uh, this director Fritz Lang or Fritz Long, German pronunciation. And uh, yeah, that one, it's like definitely top five of uh, my all-time like favorite films. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff uh, that I'd never heard of before, you know. Yeah. But it's interesting, though, like, uh, talking about people having different different tastes, you know, when it comes to film. Like, you mentioned, like, Ice Cube, Are We There Yet?, and, like, Speed Racer and stuff like this. But it's interesting because the this whole list of films is supposed to be the greatest films of all time, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, they have two different lists, actually. One that's compiled by directors, okay, uh, like in the industry, and then one that's compiled by critics. And there's a lot of overlap, but certain certain um, differences. But anyway, so they're they're all supposed to be like you know you could argue that any of them is like the greatest film of all time, you know, which is like it's uh, a big a bold statement for to make for for any film, I guess. And very bold. And some of them. I it's like I agree and then others I'm like uh <laughs> uh you know not for me not for me let's just say like there's this one which is super famous called Baltazar or I'm not sure the, the full title but it's uh like a French film from the 50s I want to say uh, about a goat named uh Baltazar huh. and uh basically um this goat is the film is like okay there's this goat it kind of starts off as like the goat is sold to this family as like a little baby goat and then basically the film is just like this goat is abused its whole life and then dies <laughs> super like <laughs> french like oh c'est la vie, c'est like, la life, vie. life is torment <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's just like, French make some fucked up movies, man. I swear to God. Most fucked up movie I've ever seen in my life was French. What was that? It's called, uh, Caché. Caché? Caché. Is that like a horror, horror film or something? 2005 psychological thriller. I was just going to say that. I was going to say psychological thriller. (laughs) It's fucking creepy. So there's this Parisian couple and... Uh, videotape gets left at their house and they're, you know, and it's of their house being filmed from across the street. Mm-hmm. And they don't know who it is and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just like really not fucked up in a lot of ways, but really fucked up in a lot of ways. And it's just like, damn. I mean, that movie stuck with me. It's not in 2005. Yeah, obviously. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not in 2005 at the Pickford. Oh, shit. Going back to Bellingham. <laughs> you know, it was like with Tim Petrini and and some other people in high school. So yeah, it must mm-hmm. have been you know sophomore year of high school or early junior year or something like that for us or something. Probably early junior year, maybe. I don't really know. But yeah, uh, I watch I watch these movies and I'm trying to, you know, I I have high expectations for all of them, right? I'm like trying to see why this movie is so great and so esteemed by by critics and other yeah. directors. Yeah, yeah. And with Baltazar, I'm just like, I'm like you know trying to kind of look at like the shots and the cinematography and the lighting and you know it was just like uh i don't know i i i don't see it <laughs> agree to disagree on yeah that. exactly i think it's a really bad sales pitch to say that this is the best right yeah and i think in in the end it makes me like 
uh, some of the films more than I would have maybe. Maybe if I was like, just because I know that they're classics, right? You're like, oh, like well, I, now I should like it more because if it, it's If classic. you were like, or, or if someone, some stranger, some random, like, rando, independent filmmaker, unheard of filmmaker was like, watch my movie and gave me Baltazar or like some of uh, the movies by this Russian director, Tarkovsky, which mm-hmm. I really ended up liking. And I would watch it and be like, you know, in, if I had in my head that this is just by some nobody who is not like, at least not yet had success as a filmmaker, I'd be like, oh uh, yeah, this is trash. <laughs> yeah. You know, but because it's like, I go into it thinking like, uh, these are all like sort of classic great works of art. Well, it's, it's definitely good to give something context. If like you're going back and watching a movie from the fifties, there's going to be some things that are different. And like, <laughs> like as far as the yeah, reasons yeah, why yeah, it's totally. good, right. The, totally. the, le- the level of what is good, the bar changes throughout. I'm like, why is there no color? Why is oh. it black and white? I want yeah. I mean, well that's, that's the extreme version of it, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, but, <laughs> Um, why is there no auto tune? <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, why can't I hear? I wait, what is this? Why is the, uh, the the left and right? Why are they different? They're coming different sounds. I don't like it. What's mono? What's mono? I'm, is that like the kissing disease? Oh, high school. You remember when mono went around? Yeah. Oh yeah. I ended up making out with like two people that had it when it was there was an outbreak, and I didn't get it. <laughs> that's that's dope. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened. Right? <laughs> I'm immune. <laughs> Not to anything. But yeah, if you want to watch a fucked up movie, Cache is really, really, yeah. uh, it stuck with me. Um, Doctor Strange was good. If, you, if you're bored, go and see it. But if you haven't seen the, the WandaVision show. I heard of it, I think. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus. But if you haven't mm. seen that, don't go see Doctor Strange. Okay. Yeah, because there's like, you'll just be like, <laughs> there's always all the Marvel movies and all the Marvel projects that come out nowadays. Oh, because it's like Disney. There's always a couple of things that are like, the events in this directly uh, affect this, right? Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's like a bunch of little things here and there. Like, if, like if you want to see the new Ant-Man movie, I think it comes out next year, for example, you'll have to have seen Loki. If you haven't seen mm. Loki, you know, you'll be like, <laughs> I, I, it's you uh, can, it's smart for them you know (laughs) it's it's very smart and i mean like they've done the whole there okay so there was this shift in media right a couple years back where i think it was with true detective season one was the really big shift to Mm. where people understood that storytelling true storytelling was not doable It, it needed an eight hour chunk right yeah but if you take that even farther I mean, that's where, like, the birth of the miniseries came in, right? Where Mm -hmm. now you see, like, that show Loki and, like, some of these other shows where it's just, like, it's a movie. Like, True Detective Season 1, going back again, it it, it is a movie that is very long, right? Mm -hmm. It is an eight-hour movie. And the story, you can go into the depth. You can actually feel with the characters. You can explore a lot more shit so marvel was like oh yeah that's like really cool what if we did that with our movies and started like you know just like really Mm. syncing everything up so where each movie is its own thing and yet the story expands and the story grows and they did the same thing i mean i mean comic books did that yeah absolutely. and now they're doing this thing where they're bringing in the multiverses and stuff like that and a lot of people are like oh well that's really confusing and it's like but also 
<laughs> Once they started doing multiverses in the comic books, dude, shit got out of hand because it's like there's just so many infinite badass stories that can happen. You know, yeah. death death is never the end, right? Mm-hmm. People will be like, oh, Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> she died in in Avengers, right? And we'll never see her again. Really? You know, just like it doesn't it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, oh, Tony Stark died. We'll never see Iron Man again. You sure about that, right? Because there's a thousand <laughs> other Robert Downey Juniors in these multiverses, you know, thousands of other versions, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I really like once again go back uh, that show Loki. Go back and watch it because they really explore the multiverse and like start to expand it a lot more. Mm. It's fun. It's just really fun. Like Loki ends up encountering a bunch of versions of himself. One of them is an alligator. You know what I mean? It's just like just infinite possibilities, infinite timelines, you know, infinite, all the, all these things. And and so they did it really smart where it's just like James Bond. Well, I guess Fast and the Furious is like an example of a, of a franchise that was doing it kind of before Marvel, like really started linking everything together to where they had like a franchise that each movie kind of affected the one after it. Because you had like James Bond movies to where they kind of do that, and but then they reset. Same thing with Batman, right? Mm-hmm. Where you have like yeah. a little trilogy and then it just resets and you're back to Batman mm-hmm. origin story again. And, you know, as soon as Daniel Craig's done, you know, it's like now uh, what, are, what are they going to yeah. do with Bond? We're going to get another Bond origin story or something like that. Or, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so there are these certain storylines. They have these little arcs. But like Marvel is just like, oh, yeah, we're going to make an arc that lasts 50 years, 35 <laughs> different movies and a bunch of miniseries and stuff like that. And it's like, that's really smart. Yeah. And if Star Wars, if they start applying that to the Star Wars, which I think that they're kind of doing, I think it's good. But as I've said with my problems with Star Wars before, it seems like what Star Wars has done and their biggest issue is that they opened, they they never closed these timelines or these stories that we want the answers for like half of the reason that we keep going back to star Wars <laughs> is because we want the, we want it. We want the answers yeah. to some of these, these time yeah. old tales. And that's why they, they totally appeal with that with like solo, the movie solo. They're like, mm-hmm. do you want to know how Han met Chewbacca? Yeah. yeah. Better watch. And you're like, Oh <laughs> shit, I need to see it. And then you see it. And then it's just like, Oh, that was you guys. That was it. That was it. You guys yeah. really downplayed that. Like fucking great. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, yeah. the best friendship one of the most iconic friendships in, in, on screen. Yeah. And that is what you do as an explanation. Oh, great. That's good. It, or, yeah. uh, just don't watch it. It was a bad movie. It was bad. <laughs> we got the so, new Lord of the Rings series coming. I mean, I've told you, I've, have I told you about my, I don't like, I love the Lord of the Rings story. I love yeah, Tolkien's, yeah, like yeah. his story building and all that. So I'm actually yeah. really pumped for it. My, my whole thing is I didn't really like Peter Jackson's interpretations of the movies mm-hmm. that mean you know i wasn't like mike dub where i was just like what's up lord of the i mean like don't get me wrong when those movies came out it was revolutionary but as time has gone on they did not age very well and one of the things that mm-hmm. i notice is like it's almost like peter jackson made movies through like he didn't like read the story or he didn't he didn't make the, a movie of the story he made a movie of his childhood interpretation of the story uh-huh. right because like because so clearly he grew up on those books he loved those books he talked mm-hmm. about it and all that stuff right there's this angelic wash that's over all of the lord of the rings movies right <laughs> yeah and yeah. it's just like does he think these people are all deities you know what i mean it's just yeah, like yeah i think that 
his perception, like these people are gods in his mind, like going into it. He loved this story so much. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really bled onto the camera with like some of the editing uh, and some of like the, 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 the directing choices and things like that. Right. Yeah. It was very, very epic uh, sort of. Yeah. But it could have been epic and it could have been dark. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. It could have been a little yeah, grittier. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was like a play or something. You know? Well, yeah, like, totally. Like a, a good a, a comparison in Hollywood is like the Joel Schumacher Batman's, right? The which was the one with George Clooney and the one with Val Kilmer oh, that came yeah. out when we were kids in the '90s, right? And it was like <laughs> so you had the Tim Burton ones that were all dark. Yeah. And then yeah, Joel yeah. Schumacher comes in and he's like, "We don't want to have dark Batman. We want to have neon ghettos and fantastic. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. just all uh, just." <laughs> ridiculous okay and nipples on the bat suit nipples on the bat suit baby <laughs> Woo! i'm getting hard thinking about it okay uh, tmi <laughs> just the yeah dude the the intro to that where it's just like nipples crotch belt at like muscles and you're just like okay they're really they're really going for it point is those ones didn't do too well so then the dark knight comes around and they're like we're gonna go the grittier route right yeah but so you have Batman in two different lights where I think like there are a lot of things that the Lord of the Rings, the Lord of the Rings did really well. There are just a lot of things that I feel like were done really poorly. And people think that just because I don't know, there's like a nostalgia thing to it where like they're going to ignore the fact that it's poor quality because of the story. And so it's that whole thing with the JJ Abrams and, and Zack Snyder mm-hmm. and these guys being such good directors because people are going to be so stoked on the story that they're not going to actually look at the art and what is actually being made. Yeah. That being said, Lord of the Rings new show could be fantastic. It's a billion dollars. Is Peter Jackson working Uh, on it or? I don't think so. Let's, let's hope. um, (laughs) I mean, just in in any, even if you liked uh, the, the stuff that he, he did, uh, you know, let's get a new, uh, Get a fresh uh, set of hands, fresh set of yeah, one hundred, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So it's called yeah, the Rings of Power. Such a dope story. Developed by J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay. So this does not have wish him the best. This does not have the uh, the touch of Lord Jackson. So that makes me very <laughs> excited. Hell yeah! And also, like, the, I think it's like the first show ever to have a billion dollar budget or something like that. So it's gonna oh, it's gonna God. be big, right? Like, yeah. We, well, I mean, kind of have to, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, with Game of Thrones, did you watch Game of Thrones? No, I don't really watch series. Like, I don't know why. I never. By the end of Game of Thrones, it was like each episode was like a multi-million dollar thing. It was like yeah. a movie, right? It was like straight up like a movie, better than yeah, an action yeah. movie. And yeah. so it's like Amazon was like, all right, well, we gotta one up that. And then Game mm-hmm. of Thrones is also they're doing a spinoff show that's coming out on HBO. It's called House of Dragons. That's like. I think a thousand years before mm. and that's going to be epic. But then don't be surprised. This is one thing that I saw in my human sexuality classes is you can look up Pornhub's uh, trends, right? Like what oh, is yeah, of course. trending searches, right? Of course, Pornhub of is course. awesome when it comes to looking up porn statistics. They're like, yeah, <laughs> we got all the numbers. Yeah. And then they're like, and you can just look at it for free and it's always funny. But one of the things that was really big was incest porn in when game of thrones was on air and so when game of thrones went off air incest porn popularity went down (laughs) so get ready to see that go back up because we're coming back (laughs) it's creepy it's just like people are like oh that's kind of hot these two these two blonde people are boning their sisters they're just like (laughs) 
All right, whatever tickles your pickle, but you know, yeah, HBO loves that shit. Amazon's uh, Lord of the Rings, starring Jeff Be- Bezos as Elrond. As El- oh hell yeah, dude! Let's see it. He's <laughs> like, yeah, what I'm, would you? I decided uh, to act. Decided to act. I'm a. You know. <laughs> I auditioned. <laughs> <laughs> dude, the next Star Wars movie starring Elon Musk as like. <laughs> As fucking Han Solo. <laughs> billionaires just start injecting. That, that'd be like the, the really annoying thing. Because these billionaires have all the power in the world. But what? wait until one of them is just like, I'm going to be in everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, my God, I can't get away from him. I'm buying Marvel. <laughs> I'm buying Marvel. Just I'm like, going to put myself in every movie. No problem. No, that's the thing about these. Like, I mean, when you look at the net worth of fucking... Apple, you know what I mean? It's like multiple trillion dollars. So you know what I mean? It's like a lot of these dudes, luckily, they can't buy the companies outright, but mm-hmm. still they can say that they're gonna buy Twitter and then be like, I, I don't know if I'm gonna buy Twitter. Actually, I'm gonna buy Twitter. Oh yeah, and if I do buy it, Donald Trump, he's coming back. Oh yeah, but I don't know if I'm really gonna buy it though. I'll just hold <laughs> off for a little bit. I might just be putting this bid in to tank the value of the company and then come back and buy it for much less. But you know, we don't talk about that. You know. <laughs> and I will definitely name my child uh, X one four three five. I'm the son of an emerald salesman. Look at my balls. What series or what what uh, story would you uh, would you make into a series or film? Like a famous. Uh, would you remake something or something something maybe that hasn't been hasn't. No, been I mean or... I have multiple ideas for movies that I've like written down that I think are like pr- like they're very original. I haven't just your own your own ideas. Yeah, like I I would love okay. to like I've I've tried movie writing before. Like I I have a third of a script, a third of a movie. Where oh, the, the stuff like written, I took a script writing class at one point in time. But it's, if we were to like go and take a story, it's already known. Turn it into something. My favorite I mean, book oh, is uh, or one one of my top favorite books is Moby Dick. Yeah, there are Moby Dick movies, but um, nothing yeah. good. No, that's that's one of those things where so. I think the Godfather really nailed in on this. And then this goes back to what I was saying, where like true storytelling is about eight hours, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, like yeah. if, if you, like if you want to tell a story, you want to build characters, you want to build emotion, you want to like really do what you need to do to create something. I feel like eight hours is a fantastic length and the Godfather, it's like they took the book, the one book, like 400 pages or whatever. And they turned it into eight hours of, of film. Right, pretty much, right, or nine hours of film, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like, yo, well, they did. It's like, of course, the formula was given to us forty years ago by Francis Ford <laughs> Coppola and Mario and Mario Puzo. And they were like, no, this is how you tell a story in film, like right, right, right here. And everyone's like, oh, mm-hmm. it's the greatest movie of all time. It's the greatest. No one analyzed like, okay, well, let's analyze the storytelling and like what they're actually doing until yeah. like two thousand fucking five or something like that, but. The year was 2014, actually. I did a little bit of research. True Detective came out in 2014. Also, the Marvel Cinematic Universe decided to release The Winter Soldier in 2014, which launched arguably, you know, these long sagas and everything. They were kind of doing it before, but you know what I mean. The year was 2014. That being said, what movie would I recreate? I don't know. Some of the... I would love to do, like some true story shit mm. where like, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of 
I know you said you haven't been watching much lately, but a really good example of it is Winning Time. It's this show on HBO right now about the Lakers, the 1980 Lakers, right? Uh. It starts out with Magic Johnson coming in, getting drafted by the Lakers. And so John C. Riley is the owner of the Lakers, Jerry Buss. They get this kid to, uh, this this guy to play Magic Johnson, who's a new actor. He's very good. They have a bunch of really good stuff, right? But it's nice. is a fictional look at a historic event. Like I like those historical fiction type of things yeah, to where yeah. there's like, kind of blurs the line between you don't know what is truth and what is not. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of upsets people. So one of the things right now is that show <laughs> Winning Time is like Jerry West. He's one of the characters in there. And he's like, you're portraying, your uh, portrayal of me is uh, <laughs> blasphemous. And like, you need to take it down. And they're like, no. Oh, shit. You're like, you, like, <laughs> like, we researched everything. Like, this is, you know, like, we're, we're okay with what is being put on the screen. And the, the irony, of course, is that Jerry West is like being very angry and telling them that he's going to sue them if they don't take off, like, stop the show. What he's angry that they're showing on the show is him his anger issues, <laughs> and so, so it's just like proving a point. <laughs> no, no, one hundred percent. It was just like, wait, so this is how the show version of Jerry West would act in real life. <laughs> this is how he would have responded. Like, maybe they were right. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to pull some kind of like true story type of thing. Maybe like Jeffrey Dahmer. You know, like oh, Jeffrey shit. Dahmer is a fucking creep. Right. He's, yeah. There's so many layers to him that don't make any sense. Ironically, after recording this episode, I found out that this is actually happening. Netflix greenlit monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story in which Evan Peters is going to play Jeffrey Dahmer. And it is told from a point of view style through the lenses of his victims. Sounds almost exactly like what I wanted to make. And I'm pretty happy about that. Um, Israel Keys is like one of the most fast, like I just read a book on him. One of the most fascinating stories I've ever read in my life. He's a serial killer that was like, he's, his mind was so amazing. Lee, mm. it just like amazingly, he was so intelligent. I don't understand it. Right. Mm-hmm. The only reason that he got caught is because he decided he was like, I'm done. <laughs> Right. And then he just pretty much like gave himself up and then mm-hmm. he commits suicide in prison. But it's just like, damn, there are people. It, it, it the truth is more often crazier than the fiction. You Absolutely. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So like when I read about like this Israel Keys dude and like what he was able to do and the way that he like all the things that he was able to do and stomach and all this stuff. And it's just like, it's absolutely insane. But how you'd be able to portray that, you know what I mean? It'd be it'd be very intense. I don't know how you could do serial kill like. So this is something that has never been done before, and it's something that I would kind of enjoy to do. I mean, maybe it has been done in like Son of Sam or something like that, but like a long series or a mini series or something where the the protagonist, the main character is the serial killer. Right? And you it like is from their perspective in a lot of things and like I like mm. I think that if I could write something that would make you empathize with this serial killer, then that would be amazing. Yeah. Right? Like that's that would be what I would want to do because 
like these people are humans too, right? And yeah. I'm not saying that like we should empathize with Ted Bundy or we should empathize <laughs> with Jeffrey Dahmer, but it's just like it's sad when this shit happens and it's also amazing, right? And we want to study it, we want to understand it. But I think uh, the Joker film with the Walking Phoenix was a good example of that. Not a true story, obviously, but like a way where they portray this character in like a human way, not necessarily showing them as like a good person or a bad person, but just kind of like showing you the uh, their humanity and yeah, not like not in a sort of like judgmental way one way or the other but sort of showing how i mean not exactly a serial killer but like yeah like a violent psychopathic person you know what is their sort of origin or their like day-to-day like what do their perspective their feelings and their experience like not to glorify or like make any excuses but just kind of to show it you know yeah, I think a show actually that did a decent job of that was actually the show was about the the FBI psychological the behavioral science unit that started um mm. where they started analyzing serial killers and stuff. And so like, it was called Mind Hunter. I think they did two or three seasons on Netflix did it? and it was with David David Fincher did it, the dude who did uh, Fight Club. So oh, it's, it if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend watching it. I think it got canceled. But I'm really hoping that they bring it back. But it is like one of the better examples as far as like, it's like these dudes are trying to study the serial killers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like there's like a scene when they like go and talk to Charles Manson. There's like a scene where they, they're going and talking to like people to like interview them and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just very interesting. Um, for me, like I wouldn't want to make it so like this per- they didn't think that this person's a bad person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I, I like the Tony Soprano route, right? Where you know yeah, the dude's yeah. a piece of shit the whole time. Mm-hmm. You, just, you know it from the get-go. You know, it's like that from like the one of the first scenes. It's like him driving on the lawn, you know, to break the dude's arm or whatever to collect his debt, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like this dude will do what he needs to do to get what he wants. He's not a good person. Uh, you will empathize with him at times. But he's mm-hmm. not a good person. You know it like the whole the whole way, right? Yeah. And so like that's that's something that I would want to do. Cause I felt like the Joker almost made him a little too like him a little too empathizable. Yeah. In a it's way. True. Like yeah, yeah. they made it him seem like a little bit more of a victim, I feel like, than They sort of don't they don't they ended at a point where it's like you don't really know what happens after that. Like you don't even know actually if like his care if his character ends up being like the Joker actually, or if he maybe like inspires somebody else or whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So it's like they end at a point where, yeah, they, he is definitely shown as like sort of the victim or you're meant to empathize with him, but they, they don't show like maybe after that, like all the fucked up shit that he might go on to do to do. Mm -hmm. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And like for me, you know, if I was to do serial killer show, you would, probably have some fairly intense scenes and like i'm not all about the gore porn type of thing you know i don't need to see like you know a person being hacked up like Mm -hmm. or whatever uh i think that you can do like subtleties uh more often than not um yeah absolutely will 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 stick harder and then when you want to actually show something that, that is 
really violent, you can. And then it'll be like that much mm -hmm. heavier. But if you're like beating someone over the head with a dead limb, you know what I mean? Eventually <laughs> they're going to be like, yeah, there's blood. Um, you watched uh, the last Tarantino, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I really liked it, yeah. A lot of people didn't like it, but I liked it. I I liked it. I, I didn't like it as much as his other movies. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't seen all of them, um, but uh, there's a few that I haven't seen. But I didn't like the ending, really. So you and, didn't like the ending, okay. Yeah, I mean, it was like funny, <laughs> to, uh, but um, it reminded me a bit of the end of Inglorious Bastards in terms yeah. of this sort of like over-the-top kind of slapstick element. Um, but I like that movie better overall, and I, I thought that the, that type of ending worked. And I felt like he was sort of maybe going off of off of that, like, and it, it was kind of had similar in the sense of like rewriting history in a more exactly, righteous yeah. way. Yeah. And so I, I think he was sort of like felt like that was a really good success, um, and was trying to do a, a similar thing. And I, I think it worked better in Inglorious Bastards, at least for me. Oh, I, but I agree. Uh, for the end of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, <laughs> I was just like. This is like just like too ridiculous. Like I love Tarantino, and I love the way he does uh, gore and violence. Mm -hmm. But like that to me, I was just like, oh, like what? I was <laughs> like, I like the movie overall. But then when it finally came time for like the gore and shit and like the like crazy ending, I was like, oh man, like that was like not not that dope. <laughs> but it was like, but yeah, it's like you say. Like to me, that was like just too like in your face gore in a way i don't know in 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 a way where i like other other tarantino films where there's like gore and stuff like kill bill like I, that's one of my favorite tarantinos where yeah it's like over the top and kind of well it's supposed to be anime, anime and exactly and, yeah. you know it was supposed to have that that element to it this one was like he, he was going for like a very realistic over the top so I, I get mm -hmm. what you're saying there. It definitely wasn't like, I wouldn't put it in my top five Tarantino movies probably, you know, but I enjoyed it. I think like I had heard a lot of really bad things going into it. Uh, and so I was like, that wasn't bad. Like mm -hmm. I thought it was good. You know what I mean? Like I really, you know, there are definitely some parts that are absurd, but like I really enjoyed the whole interweaving of the Sharon Tate thing and the Charles Manson, like those are mm -hmm. stories that I really like. And so yeah. to see those like kind of interweave and, and stuff yeah. like that, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a good amount. Yeah. I, I liked it too. I liked it too. Um, I liked it more than the hateful eight. I haven't seen that one, but I, I guess it's one of his ones. That's also like not as beloved as the others. It's very polarizing. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of like reservoir dogs, in a, in, a, in, a, in a vein of just like a lot of yelling and screaming and you know, it's very vulgar it's very hateful as you can imagine that was another one where I, it wasn't as bad as people told me like I heard a lot of people be like it's really bad it's just really bad and I was just like I went in and I was like it wasn't that bad but it wasn't good I mean I mean like I'd say it was good it wasn't yeah. great you know what I mean it is what it is, you know, sometimes uh, sometimes you gotta feel the movie out, sometimes it's real good, you know? I feel like I could act, but uh, I, I don't think I could, actually. Yeah, I mean, when you see somebody... Maybe if I practiced, like, but yeah. 
Like I could do that. The key is if you can put yourself in another person's shoes, right? Like that's a huge part about it. And yeah. if you're good at taking directions, like if you mm. if you can learn something, you can learn how to act. But like, if you want to act, I mean, I mean, well, a natural comedic timing is always good, right? If you have that, if you're trying to go the comedy route, or if you're trying to go the dramatic and all the other routes, it's like, yeah, you should be able to um, emote or uh, as much as possible mm-hmm. and tr- and like. If you can feel what other people are feeling, for the most part, you're a decently empathetic person, then you probably could be a good actor. Sometimes I think I'm overly empathetic. I'm like, oh. <laughs> um, did you listen to the, well, you probably haven't listened to it yet, but the new Kendrick Lamar album? No, I listened to the new um, the new song, the new single. The, you said the, the, heart- the music video? No, just I, I list, just listened to it on title. I didn't see the video, but uh, oh, I, so the heart, the, music the heart part five. Yes, it's fucking cool. The music video is crazy. He does the deep fake. Oh shit! Uh, technology. So it's like it's one shot of him rapping, and then his voice, his face changes into a couple other faces, and it's like O.J. Simpson, oh, Jesse shit. Smollett, Will Smith, <laughs> uh, Nipsey Hussle, yeah. Kobe Bryant. Yeah, and it's like it's it's kind of crazy to see. I just I had just watched a project on deep fake stuff and the technology, that shit is crazy. and it really is. And it's just like for this reason, for the Kendrick Lamar using it, it's very cool, very artistic. Mm-hmm. But still, I don't think that I think like ninety nine point nine percent of it is going not going to be used for art. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? And if it is used for art, it's going to be used for prof art like capital art you know what i mean yeah. like we're, we're we're gonna make a mission impossible 20 and <laughs> and tom cruise is still gonna be in it fully cgi <laughs> you know i was watching this thing and it was like we can deep fake like environments like entire like we don't need to use green screen anymore because it's entire cgi created everything Damn. and they're getting to the point where the computer programs can completely recreate your voice everything about you and so Goddamn. all they do is like create a program of you and once the computer has the program all they do is type in what you're saying and then the computer does it and it sounds and looks exactly like Damn. you can actually see this technology in action at this very moment in time i just found out that the voice of darth vader james earl jones in the new obi-wan series is completely deepfake computer programs rendering of James Earl Jones' voice. There you go, folks. Shout out Darth Amin for the fact. It made me hurt my soul a little bit. It was a little terrifying, but, you know. Hell yeah. All right, buddy. Well, I'll catch you soon. Uh, Stay in touch and holler at me. Hell yeah. Thanks for... uh... Thanks for having me on. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for chatting. Meet with me and the Toms, the two Toms. <laughs> yeah. Just stash brothers here. Just a bunch of stashes, you know? All right. Well, oh, I'll catch yeah. you soon. Cool. Peace. Peace.